Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From an Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with Richard Usher, also known as MC Golden Voice of the hip-hop duo Partners in Crime, about all things Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. On the half shell, they're the heroes for In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high, with muggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious Cause they can't find the source Of this lethally evil force This is serious, so give me a quarter I was a witness, get me a reporter Call April O'Neil in on this case Hey, you better hurry up, there's no time to waste We need help like quick on the double Have pity on the city, man, it's in trouble We need heroes like the Lone Ranger When Tonto came pronto, when there was danger They didn't say we'd be there in half an hour Cause they displayed turtle power On March 30th, the live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film celebrates its 30th anniversary. On a budget of less than $14 million, the film would go on to gross over $200 million, as well as spawning two sequels. It was one of the biggest things to come from Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird's comic book series, which also spawned multiple cartoons and two live-action CGI hybrids from producer Michael Bay. If you've seen the original 1990 movie, you'll remember that over the end credits was a hip-hop song called Turtle Power, relating the plot of the film. It's become one of those cultural touchstones for so-called 90s kids, and I distinctly remember owning the single as a 10-year-old myself. But what of Partners in Crime, the duo who performed the iconic track? We reached out to the group's MC Golden Voice, aka Richard Usher, to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the group's history, and more. today i really appreciate it yeah you got it uh, i'm glad to be able to do it Nick. how you doing i am doing really well uh how are you i'm doing all right we're in new york and uh you know some weather's winter's getting ready to come they said and it's gonna drop a little bit but uh so far uh, we've been fortunate but uh it's coming <laughs> it's coming so you're you're on the show today to talk about your work uh in partners in crime yes how did you all uh, 
get your start? We started, well, my roots go back to to uh, rap and hip-hop in the Bronx when it was beginning. And um, you're talking about in the beginning of rap, there were older teens that were doing it. I was a younger teenager. And the older teens that were doing it, you may have heard of some of them like Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, uh, the Cold Crush Brothers, Funky Four Plus One More, the Treacherous Three. Um, the list goes on and on a bit for the original. A lot of the pioneers coming right out of the Northeast Bronx, where where uh, rap was has said to have gotten its start. Um, and I started there with an interest in in uh, rap, not only loving what I was hearing and seeing these guys performing outside in the park, but the crew, uh, some of my high school uh, friends and fam that I was with, um, their older teens were going to these things. And when we found out about it and was loving it, we were like, hey, we, we love the flow of this music. We love how it feels. You know, we'd like to do a group too. Why don't we do a group? And we started a, a group in the Bronx back then. Um, the chapter three is what it evolved into, um, which we actually recorded two records with uh, Grand Groove Records. So some, again, some of the early pioneer rap music. Um, and that, I'll go back maybe, but that uh, got my feet wet into rap music and writing and rapping and loving the, the whole genre um, that eventually became hip-hop. And then getting to Syracuse University, uh, where I met um, James Alpern, who's Keymaster Snow. And uh, we immediately started to vibe on the fact that I was coming from the Bronx at a time where where hip hop had just started busting, uh, rap early hip hop started busting out, and uh, was on like the Mr. Magic radio show. He was a prominent radio DJ in New York who was known for uh, breaking rap music uh, on late night radio before anybody was really playing it, before any commercial stations were playing it. Um, <clears throat> and then so when I got to Syracuse University, uh, I started performing at some of the parties and events, just getting on the mic and doing stuff. And I met Keymaster Snow at one of these parties who was cutting and scratching. And I was like, hey, this guy's good. You know, <laughs> when he heard me on the mic, he's like, hey, you know, you're, you're pretty good too. Where, where's your history? Where are you coming from? And we sort of exchanged our stories a bit <clears throat> and talked about, hey, why don't we just uh, talk about getting a group together? Why don't we start working on some stuff together? And that's what we did. So that started in, in Syracuse University. And, and what time was that? Oh, uh, we're talking about um, the uh, late 80s. Mid to late, yeah, late, uh, uh, mid, mid eighties, mid eighties, going to, yeah, it would, it would be the mid eighties. So, um, did you, when, so I imagine you started performing at Syracuse, like while you were going to Syracuse University, um, mm -hmm. did, did that continue like coming back to New York? Um, yes, it did. So while we were even there, we had one other guy. Uh, who was at, was at Syracuse, um, who actually was just a whole part of um, what we were doing. And he was great. His name was Nader, Nader. And uh, he was actually part of our group at the time. And um, I'm sorry if I'm pausing for a bit. No, that's fine. I, I, may, have to, <laughs> I may have to pause for a little bit. Um, give me a pause. I, I, I have to stop for a bit. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, we're good. So I was explaining a little bit that 
we were in Syracuse, and we actually had another member of, of our group uh, uh, at the time uh, for Partners in Crime. Uh, but his family uh, owned a restaurant um, on campus, and um, and he's a great guy. We, we loved it. It was Nader, uh, Phantom Rock. But we were like, um, we were leaving school, finishing from Syracuse, and said, hey, we're going to try to go to New York to make this happen. I think we have a better chance of maybe breaking in or getting a deal by going to the city. And um, he had thought about it a bit, but he just um, felt like he couldn't leave the family business, which we, which we respected. Um, and we ended up uh, going to New York. So while we were in Syracuse, before we left, one of the big things we just did, we worked on demos a lot. We just worked on demos, uh, all kinds of different tracks, exploring different things with rap and uh, different vibes of what was happening at that time in the late 80s. Um, just enjoying the music, but also and doing some parties here and there and gigs and, uh, and just, um, you know, just, just trying to develop ourselves. And I was working in radio in Syracuse before we left. Uh, I worked for, uh, Syracuse University Station first. I worked for the, uh, AER. I got trained on a WAER FM 88, uh, student run, and I was trained back then. And then I got an opportunity to do commercial radio. Uh, for two stations, one for WLF and then WKFM in Syracuse. So I had trained and then I actually worked professionally as a radio uh, disc jockey and I started to DJ more as opposed to rap and just learning more about the music. Um, and then we came to New York, Jim, Keymaster Snow and I, and we set up shop. You had kind of asked me, how did we get to New York? We did, you know, just decided it would be a better opportunity. It was home for me. Uh, Jim was from Syracuse, but he was willing to, you know, hey, I want to see if we can make this music thing happen. So we came to New York. So you're you're in New York, and this is right at the end of the '80s. So, like, who mm -hmm. who reached out to you about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Right. So. I was working and in radio in New York City. I was working for WBLS FM, so I got another job in radio, which was uh, part of my my passion and major with uh, speech communications, television, radio, film. I had done an internship there uh, around my senior year, and then came back after school, and they hired me to work uh, as a, a board engineer. And then um, I was uh, learning early production stuff and, and engineering the board for on-air personalities. And then um, and while I was doing that, we were working at the same time. Jim was working his jobs uh, here in the New York area. Uh, and we were just working on demos and doing a lot of stuff. So one of our, my coworkers at WBLS, she knew some of the radio uh, record label contacts and I gave her a copy of one of our demo tapes. And she said, hey, I'll take it out. I, you know, I know some people, maybe somebody would be interested in it. Um, and we had been shopping our stuff prior to that. We, every opportunity I got to pass it to someone uh, that might be helpful or, or thought that it might be a vibe, we did. We heard good things at times. Uh, usually we heard good things, but we just couldn't get the deal that took us over where somebody's like, yeah, listen, we really want to do some work with you. But... Um, Sheila, my coworker at the time, uh, she took it to some people she knew at EMI. And EMI was starting a, a label called SBK, UK Records. And some people there at SBK, which was starting, they heard um, our demo and they really liked it. 
And what happened was we got the call uh, one day that these guys uh, and from the A&R that, listen, love your stuff. We want to see if we can do more uh, with you. We love all the things you have. But we actually have a, a project on the table right now and um, that we need some music for. And he said it's for, the, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we're doing the soundtrack for, for the motion picture. We need some music. Uh, and so we need a song like right away. And one of the good things that had come from the time we had spent before we got to that point of working together, doing demos and, and fleshing out songs from, from beginning to end was we really got good at, at putting tracks together and, and writing together and vibing musically and lyrically. So when this opportunity came, um, we were we were ready as far as I was concerned. We were ready, like we're gonna we're gonna you know do this. You know we're gonna knock something out, uh, bang something out. And we got that information on a Friday, and then uh, by Monday morning we had a track. So, being as how like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fever was was fairly high at the time. Like, were you familiar with? like the, the cartoon show that was going on or was this like just having to like drop yourselves in and like learn it all like over the course of a weekend? <laughs> no. So the great thing was I was, I was absolutely familiar with the, uh, a little bit with the comic book and, uh, and certainly with the, uh, the cartoons, you know, so the eighties were up and rolling. The, the turtles were, were becoming hot. Um, but, but, uh, I had no idea to what level they would explode, especially with this first motion picture, the live action. Um, but he did ask us that. He asked, you know, he asked, so are you familiar with what A little bit. Like I said, I knew the comic book. I knew a little bit for the cartoon. Uh, um, so that's what I know about it. And what he, what he actually did, the A&R person, um, he gave us a rundown. He saw uh, a preview of the film and gave me a rundown uh, of, of the of the plot points with the characters, uh, and I had that to work off of, and we were vibing some music that we thought would uh, would feel right um, for that film and give that kind of superhero teen superhero feel, and that's how that's how Turtle Power kind of got got born. Well, the interesting thing about Turtle Power is that like Turtle Power is like one of those songs that seem to exist like very specifically like in the late 80s early 90s where it's a song that like encapsulates like the entire plot of the movie like in a like 3 or 4 minute <laughs> blast of music. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's true. And what about it? What are you going to say, Nick? And what about that? Exactly. Oh, I'm like such a big fan of that because it seems like that that's like a really like that's got to be like a really tough thing where you're like trying to like hit like all of these plot points, but also still, you know, not trying to make it sound like a book report set to beats. Right, right. <laughs> and the other thing and the other big thing that I had to try and work with was, um, OK, so we knew now there was a big decision for us. Before we were like, yeah, we're going to do the project because, uh, and I didn't mention this, but obviously he said, hey, it's an opportunity, here's the film, you know, we, we love your track. Now listen, we have a demo full of an album's worth of music. Um, and I come from an old, you know, I came from the pioneer rap background. So you're talking about a guy who authentically came out of the Bronx, rapped out in the street parks. You know, you're talking about Cool Herc and the Herculoids and all these guys that through the Bronx, you know, me watching them and going to not only the outside parks where they'd come in and plug equipment in and play, we did the same. 
with our Chapter 3 crew um, and Erotic EDB, EDB, Erotic Disco Brothers on the, uh, on the west side of the Bronx and all these Busy B, Starsky, all the pioneers that were out and doing our stuff, we were one of these groups. So we're really coming from that kind of background. And Jim, not only uh, was he a DJ, but he actually was serious with, uh, as a musician and his engineering skills. Um, and, and a love, an honest love for rap music and its innovation. So, you know, you're, put, you're putting these two energies together, but not coming in on a kid level. We were coming in, you know, I'm coming with real rap skills from doing it in the Bronx when it was beginning. So for the first project to want to be something that's for kids, we actually thought about it for a bit. There's a bit of a pause for why you want this to necessarily be your first project. And, you, you know, obviously you can get stereotyped into this is what you do kids group band but but uh we also did understand you're talking about an opportunity to work in the business professionally you're talking about a motion picture soundtrack um how many people get an, uh, an opportunity to work uh actually professionally and do it you know that was the medium that both of us loved and work professionally in this medium on whatever level so we thought it would be a good opportunity business-wise no matter what to make the attempt to, to uh submit something um so, yeah, so if I get back to kind of what you were saying, we had to think about it, about it a bit, but not only making it um, not like a book report, but I didn't want to make it too kid-like either. It hits one hard. Of the things I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, it hits hard. Yes. So I was like, I made a decision in the writing of it. It's like, I'm not going to, and other stuff I do with kids, I'm not going to um, talk down to kids with this vibe. I'm just going to rock it like, hey, I'm going to rock it about what the movie's about and the feel of it so that if you're a kid or not a kid, if you like it, you're going to like it. I refuse to like it. And, and it was funny, you know, you're talking about someone who grew up with uh, our guys, like Old Bugs Bunny cartoons and other stuff, uh, Warner Brothers. So the interesting, about, interesting thing about them, even if you break down those as cartoons, when you look at Warner Brothers and Bugs Bunny and how the development is, if you kind of really analyze some of those cartoons, they didn't write them dumb them down for kids at all they just gave you this slapstick funny hit hard comedy because if i'm not mistaken a lot of it came out of to bring uh a post-world war to release kind of kind of entertainment so that it could also be for adults as well as kids but the thing is they didn't they didn't dumb down the kids they just were going to give you funny comedy and a lot of it's witty and some things might be over the kids heads um, but keeping it in a fun realm that where uh, where adults could catch some stuff and like it too, that was kind of the, the energy and the and the the kind of intelligence I wanted to bring with the writing. It's just going to be fun on that level. So like the song, like the movie comes out and it's like this massive phenomenon, and yeah. like they they release Turtle Power as a single, and it's like it's a really like I mean, you guys like charted. It, like it becomes like a number one single yeah. in the UK. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was like a, a a big deal. And um, I know you put out like another like single uh, later yeah. that year. Yeah. Uh, undercover. Um, correct. Correct. Um, so like. What what were you like? Sort of were you working on like trying to like put together like a full length or like try to shop it to somebody or were you just like grinding away like trying to get like another uh, single like on another label? So we actually were you know signed with uh, SBK EMI and had uh, the other track. So we had the album in the can and we still have we still have that unreleased album. Um, 
and some great tracks that one day, in some way, shape, or form, some of those tracks may get released, even as unreleased or whatever, just for the nostalgia of it and or the people who love music from the 90s uh, and or whatever other uh, kind of forms it may take, but it was some great fun stuff. So we had that. So what happened, interestingly, as you said, by the time, and, and first of all, let me just mention what a blessing, unbelievable, just, you know, blessing, taking the project was, period, for us. Uh, absolutely no regrets of being, of being uh, tied to the you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, sort of end up being a bit of an ambassador for that, uh, for the uh, superhero group, um, and just love it, love the fandom. In the, in the shows we've done, in the fans we've met, and even to more recent days, times now, doing Comic-Cons and other stuff, you know, the amount of fans that I meet that, that say uh, uh, how much the song meant to them. And so what's interesting now is obviously a lot of who were kids then are parents now, and they have kids that, are, that love the Ninja Turtles uh, and the more recent, you know, uh, uh, creations of them and the recreations of them over time. So you now get the parents that are able to share with the kids the same love of the turtles. And then when they see us, they're sort of like, hey, this, uh, this is the music that I came up on from the movie when the turtles first started, and this stuff was great. So they exposed their kids to it. So, and a lot of them love that, that music as well. So I, I love that. But, um, oh, I'm going back. What was your, Give me back the question. I'm sorry. Oh, well, you said. no, it's, it's, so you've, 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 uh, like you've released the single, you've put out a video, which is yeah. like really yeah. amazing um yes. and yes. so you're like yes. working along that's what it was so i you brought me back so uh doing the song and how it took off like i said it was an incredible blessing and just with the whole uh at the timing of the turtles exploding and having that and the song number one in the uk and everywhere it went it was huge it was wonderful uh and performing you know all, all over the world, and the music, the music certainly played all over the world. We got to many places in the world. I didn't get everywhere. Uh, Asia, we did not while we were live, but um, would love to, but mostly everywhere else, and especially all over the States. We did, and it was, it was great in Europe and all that, uh, especially in London. So, like you said, we had a great run with uh, Turtle Power and how that exploded, and we even have done, I don't know if you know, we could talk about it, did a children's television show, uh, that we did syndicated and some other movie soundtracks, including, well, we're also on, on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 soundtrack and Vanilla Ice's um, Cool as Ice soundtrack. So I'll bring this up in a segue. What happened between, uh, as you said, we were signed to the label, had the record, uh, the album, we, which we recorded, worked on in studios uh, with producers. We produce ourselves primarily, but every now and then we'll, We'll work with another producer that kind of hone the sound, but we write and produce all our own stuff. Always have. I, I still do production. Um, we got to undercover, and it was not necessarily a track that we wanted to do. It was never one of our demo tracks. But one of the heads of the label at the time um, wanted to uh, capitalize on the movies for um, remember the Dick Tracy movie yeah, yeah, yeah. coming out. Right. Right. So the idea was, hey. It wanted to love to do uh, a record somewhere along the lines of what's going on there. Didn't really want to um, record that at all, <laughs> initially at all. Uh, I sort of, we sort of, well, by myself for sure, and how I felt, but Jim as well, were like, um, 
it wasn't so if we were going to be on the soundtrack, we might have been more enthused to do it, but we weren't. Someone wanted to just uh, get us in the flow of what was happening in, in our sound. So we did it kind of reluctantly, um, you know, and it, it played places. Still a great, fun song to this day. I love it. Um, but it's not something I would have necessarily put out then for that time for us as a follow-up. Um, so that had its own course of how that ran. But what came on a bigger way to SBK EMI was my boy Vanilla Ice. Um, he came at that time. Great artist came on the scene with his stuff. So we're label mates now. Because eventually comes to the label, and what happens is with his ice, ice baby, and that coming so big, they threw a lot of all the attention there, and that's kind of what happened when we kind of got, you know, a, a, a sort of the back back roll after that a bit, and then that time developed, some other things happened project wise. We did our own thing, and that's that's exactly what happened in that time, uh, in that time span. Well, the nice thing about that is that like you kind of got to like get onto the soundtrack of uh vanilla ice's movie cool as ice uh doing yes, doing yep. a, doing a donna summer cover uh yeah which was very which was fun um what was cool about it is we had that track uh we had worked in and uh i already had that track in the can and worked on it wanted something fun that was dance danceable and i always loved you know, I was a Donna Summer fan of her music coming up. And I always loved that track, Love to Love You. And I was vibing with Jim. I said, you know, the song basically is really, besides the driving beat and repetitive music, which is which is great with Georgia Moroder and these guys, uh, the production. Um, I said, but it's basically uh, a chorus and a bridge. Yeah. There's no real verses for it. So I said, you know, I would love to write we write a dance song sort of based on it, but I'm going to write verses for it that would have this whole rap flow with it and, and, and rock with her on the whole thing. So we had that. So what I loved about that opportunity um, was we had a demo. It was a fun track. It, it just feel, felt right. Love to love you. If, you, if, if some of our fans or, or your friend, fans are listening, uh, you can look it up and you see it on YouTube if you haven't heard it. L-O-V-E, the number two, L-O-V-E, and the letter U. We'll come up with it. Um, what I loved most about that, really proud about that track, is uh, the original writers uh, with Donna Summer and them uh, and the producers gave us writing credit, gave me writing credit on that uh, for adding it to theirs. So that version they accepted and, and gave the writers credit on it with, with the producers. So I loved that. That that's, was awesome for us. That's a, that's a really cool thing to actually get. Like, that's not like very common. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's not common. Not common at all. Doing a cover track, right? So, partners in crime didn't really. After that, like as far as I know, they didn't release anything for nearly twenty five years. Um, <laughs> so you came back right. in twenty fifteen with Rock the Half Shell. Um, That's right. That's what, right. What were What were you all doing uh, in the intervening uh, years? Well, I would I would say uh, for a number of ye- a number of years directly thereafter, we did do some production still. Like I said, we did uh, immediately after, well, shortly after a lot of the record and the touring with Turtle Power and the shows we did. You know, we did a lot of uh, concert appearances back then. One most notably in England, uh, back in the night. 90s we performed for the sultan of brunei and his family 
<laughs> so we we performed for the royal family Brunei for one of the prince's like 12th birthday party, which we hear the at that time the sultan, the royal Brunei family would about every year or so um, have a couple of select parties that they would just invite. Like the family loves certain music and certain things, and they would just invite you know pop artists in to perform for the family and like a birthday party, it, and it was amazingly done at the Claridge's Hotel in, in London. Um, so we were doing things like that. Uh, the television show, um, children's television show, which I still love the uh, production of uh, children's television developing and doing more stuff along those lines and maybe doing some more things like that in the future. But I did a season's worth of television with Scholastic, the same Scholastic that does uh, all the kids' books. Yeah, yeah, the book fairs and everything. Yep, and Group Westinghouse had a show called Way Cool that we did. So I had a great experience now of working in uh, in television. Um, so I worked for motion pictures and then worked for television doing a, a season that was 13 episodes and learning how to write for television episodes and syndication because the show did go syndicated, which was great. Um, learning how to do that, how to meet deadlines, how to work with other writers and get the music done and, and, and hit that off was a great experience. Um, but in general, after that, all that time, the production we did, we did production things for a little bit. And then when that started to die off or die down, um, Jim and myself, uh, just still a little bit kind of went working on our own kind of paths because, you know, you're paying bills. So we went, started doing some more work independently. Jim was doing his stuff. And then eventually he moved, he got married and moved with his wife. Um, I think that was the Minnesota area. But that was after some years, and we decided, listen, it was dying down, and, you know, this was what we were going to do. And I was like, listen, I'll keep the name going of whatever it'll be uh, of the group, um, and I'll keep moving. And if ever we come back together in the, in the future, you're going to do that, and you let me know, but I won't just keep it moving this way. At that some point in time, I want to do, we want to do something else. So we basically just started working on our own independently back in the careers. I did some advertising work marketing communications uh, a number of other stuff that kind of which was great falling back towards my uh my college uh you know um kind of my main college uh, courses anyway um so that was that was cool my majors and majors and minors so what brought you what brought you back to to making music uh in 2015 so i think that the the love for uh, music and production, you know, that's, that never went away from me. So, in fact, while Jim was, uh, Keymaster Snow was away from me doing this stuff, he did some independent project stuff in, as well um, that he had worked on. I don't remember, I don't remember all the, um, the names of um, the groups and stuff he did, but he did a, a number of things musically himself for a while. Although presently, Jim is, uh, as of more recent years, he's like, um, prior to 2015, he's like, Rick, I mean, I'm out of the game. You'll call me Rick. You know, I'm out, man. I'm not doing the music thing anymore, but if you need something from me, let me know. Because <laughs> he had done it for a bit, and he just was kind of jaded on it. I said, hey, all right, not, no problem. I understand what's going on. No worries. But what had happened was there was a resurgence around there, one of the great fun things that happened around 2014. Um, like I said, still keeping a, my ear to the music and always that vibe because it's just a part of me. But we got a call from... Um, the guys at Activision, because there was a video game coming out um, that was going to have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they were developing a game for uh, Activision, Nickelodeon, uh, Paramount, I think, and um, 
putting that whole uh, TMNT um, game together, they said the developers wanted to do um, an authentic track for it, and they thought that our song would be would be great. So I actually went to work on some alternative tracks of Turtle Power, alternative versions, and doing some other re-recording. And that happened around 2014. So the buzz around that, interestingly, and and, and uh, eventually that that TMNT game came out, which was which was a lot of fun and a great project to work on. Um, and again, working within the franchise, you know, uh, and doing a video game was something uh, that also I, I would always like. Yeah, I would love to do something like that. And it came around, which was great. Um, that brought the attention to a group in New York that puts on like film type events. And they did a live, we did a live show in Brooklyn in 2015. And they brought in uh, these guys that did a great uh, replica costumes of the 1990 Ninja Turtles. And I performed <laughs> uh, Turtle Power and rocked the half show with those guys. And that was prior, that was probably right before the release release of it. Um, and the crowd loved it. Um, I heard a lot from the fandom about just the resurgence, the reappearance. They were all thrilled. Um, really nice reaction. And, and that sort of was like, yeah, you know, people kind of would love to hear some stuff from you guys again. And I was like, well, Rock the Half Shell was something that uh, we had vibed about from way back um, as a track that uh, to possibly do as a follow-up and wanted to further develop. So I just went for the 25th anniversary. I said I wanted to do something uh, and develop it out in honor of the Turtles which was a great track. We just didn't push it. It just didn't get any kind of huge marketing, but anyone who's heard it uh, and listens to it, they love it and talk about the, how fun it is in the spirit of the Turtles. Have you, I guess you have. Have you heard the track, Nick? Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> what did you think about? What did you think about? I thought it was great. Like, it's just like I, the idea of like being able to like make music, uh, I never, th- like, how am I going to put this into words? Like, the idea of being able to make music that's related to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that actually, like, like hits hard and has good verses and good beats is never anything that I would have thought except for Partners in Crime. It's just, like, it's... it's yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's something, you know, it's something that could have been, like... Like, Lord knows there's all sorts of pop culture-related music out there, and it comes off a little cheesy, but, like, yours comes off as, like, real, like, Bronx hip-hop, which I love. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So one of the cool things, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. One of the cool things about that, and and even in the compliment, which I appreciate, and people have said with the fandom is, you know, I guess the best thing I can say as a blushing for me is, I mean, it's all, I'm authentic to what I do. Now, had I, had I been a guy who, um, when the opportunity came for the turtles, like I, I just was like, Oh, someone, like someone said, you got opportunity to do a song. And I was just starting then to write something cute or funny would have been totally different. You know, like I'm just going to write something in like a rap. Like, I don't know what was the song I'm thinking of. Um, I don't remember a very old uh, rap thing called Disco Duck. Oh yeah, by yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick Dees. DJ was was Rick Dees. I'm not taking any way, anything away from Rick 
in terms of his career as a broadcaster. But certainly the song <laughs> came across the guy who's, I'm going to capitalize on this fun rap thing right now, put a few cutesy rhymes together, do a little cute duck voice, and, you know, it'll be a pop thing. A pop, hopefully it'll catch on in a pop way. The good thing that anyone who knows or listens to Turtle Power or any of the stuff we've done, they know, like, you don't feel that. You don't feel like it's some cute put-together little little uh, last-minute thing. So that's, that's what I love about it. Um, and there may be uh, um, things in the future, maybe in the near future, that still are going to come out that's going to be fun. I, I, I can't spill beans on anything now. <laughs> things are still in development at early stages. But certainly uh, you would hear about it, and they'd be one of the first to hear about it when it happened. But we're still early developing and talking stages of some fun things. But certainly 2020 is coming. 30th anniversary of the movie, and we are planning on doing a few uh, a few special things, uh, Lord willing, next year. Richard, thank you so much for talking with me. This has been like a real blast. I pl- I so appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad, man. You're very welcome, and all the best to you and your fans and everybody, bro. Richard Usher for talking with me. Follow Partners in Crime on Twitter and Instagram at Partners in Crime. That's K-R-Y-M-E. And on Facebook at Partners.in.Crime. Again, K-R-Y-M-E. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at FromAndInspiredBy.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at FromInspiredPod, as well as on Instagram at FromAndInspiredBy. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, and we just added the show to Spotify as well. Please click those follow and subscribe buttons. Please hit up the website and click on the aid and assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long distance fees. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking about Back to the Beach and more with Fishbones Angelo Moore. Until then, thanks for listening. Like Sherlock Holmes on a chasing Sam Spade in a dangerous place. Philip Marlowe when the going's tough. Dick Tracy caught in a blind man's block. Charlie Chan looking for a clue. A good detective knows what to do. You'd be surprised what you discover when you go undercover. Oh yeah. And as for that dame, I think she and I are going to get better acquainted. Like Sherlock Holmes on a case of Sam Spade in a dangerous place.